0: It's your boy Black Bob, yeah. You know I always got something to say, right? Ha, no exception. I had a dream like I was Martin toward the end. That I would rob the game like Clooney with a pen. I'll fight the devil if he claims that I love sin. My only crime, I have to fight for them and them. I fight the good fight. Holler to the hood, right? It ain't really clear, so get your phone and shed some good light. I live a movie life. Yes, my doobies do me right. They all want my style, so they gon' have to come and sue me, right? If I was Jerry, ain't no switch. It was a sandwich. I better find Cuban, fake like I know Spanish. Hey yo, donde está la biblioteca? New mother professor. So- what up, it's your boy Larry Harris Jr., aka Black Bobby? Welcome to the Accuracy. Today on The Accuracy, we've got another interview, uh, this time with a great head of school and leader in the education space here in the Atlanta area, a good friend of mine, Emily Castillo-Leon, who is the founding head of school at Ethos Classical Charter School um, on the West Side, um, a great school that I visited. I went to their school during Black History Month for the Black um, Living Wax Museum, which was historical figures, um, the kids were dressed as and they gave speeches as the as the historical figures it was amazingly cute and also very educational and entertaining um, I thought it was a great activity so I, I wanted to have Emily on uh, the accuracy to talk about her school um, some of her thoughts about education etc her experience um, her experience in school leadership specifically um, some things that I've experienced with also so we had a good discussion uh, and that'll follow this uh, so stay tuned thanks all right, it's your boy Larry Harris Jr. AKA Black Bobby, welcome to The Accuracy. Uh, this edition of The Accuracy is a special one. We're doing an interview with a good friend of mine, Emily Castillo Leon, who uh, recently is married. Uh, so congratulations to Emily, of course, as always. Uh, but also recently started a school here in the Atlanta area. Uh, right around the same time as she was getting married, her school opened, uh, which is a great thing. Uh, Two points of achievement, but one that I'm specifically, <laughs> yeah, one that I'm specifically interested in, though, because I've had so much interest in schools since I left um, Tufts. Um, you know, Emily and I are friends, so we've talked before about how I've worked at, with schools, worked with charter schools in Boston and Miami, etc. Um, worked with Teach for America, worked with Jumpstart, uh, you know, organizations like that. There was that were um, oh Kip, etc. Other charter schools that were you know organized around education um, and I love that space. So I was glad to have Emily on. So thank you for coming.
1: Happy to be here, Hey.
0: Good. So uh, just wanted to tell you guys, first of all about Ethos Classical, which is Emily's school. Uh, Ethos Classical is on the west side and for all of you outside of Atlanta and our Outcast fans, that's near East Point. Uh, so <laughs> I know you'll know that. Uh, Emily is the founding head of school uh, she was uh, also, before, previous to Ethos Classical, uh, founding assistant principal of KIPP Nashville Collegiate, uh, which, you know, that's part of a founding team of a uh, leadership team of a school. So that's a great experience. Um, she was director of teacher leadership development for Teach for America um, and was also a, fel- a fellow at Building Excellent Schools. Um, Ethos Classical has um, kindergarten and third grade this year and next year we will have kindergarten and third grade. First grade and fourth grade. Um, also wanted to point out, you may notice um, ethos is a word that you're either really familiar with or you've never heard. Um, it, it's I kind of I think it's one of like, kind of one of those things like you either know all about it or you don't. Like I actually got initiated to the word ethos through Aristotle through the book, uh, pers- not persuasion um, rhetoric uh, on rhetoric. Uh, so. Logos, ethos, and pathos were the framework for rhetoric. If you are familiar, uh, logos means logic. Ethos is like moral suasion, and pathos is like story. So I'd love Emily actually to explain, um, you know, what does ethos mean to you, and why did you decide to name your school ethos classical?
1: For sure, great question, Larry. So um, ethos classical. It took a lot of (laughs) running through all different kinds of names. Wanted a name that really meant something and also was like sticky for for folks. Um, and so ethos means the moral aspiration of a community. Classical means um, the highest, the standard of excellence, the high standard of excellence. So those together, like a community of folks rallied around um, our scholars demanding the most excellent education. So that's kind of where the name came from. When we say classical school, what we don't mean is that we don't study Greek uh, philosophers. It is truly us focusing on a culturally, I say culturally reflective and expansive. So um, children seeing uh, their own identities um in the literature that they're reading and the teachers that they have, and also learning about different worlds, people, places, so really reflective and expansive. but the most important thing is being at the highest the highest standard of education.
0: Yes, so <coughs> I love and I love what I read about your school. Um, you know theres there's so many ways that it's obvious to me that it's organized very well. Um, first of all, for people that don't know, ethos is a tuition free public charter school. They opened August 12, 2019, um, and they focused on teaching students how to learn, how to think. Uh, they have a broad spectrum of activities, including arts and the humanities, um, which I think is a, an excellent way to, to learn. It's very similar, actually, to the way that I learned in school. I went to um, a high school that could be considered kind of a liberal artsy kind of high school, even though it was an all-boys Catholic school. It had a they were Jesuits. So they, they they did have a commitment to a well-rounded education. Um, so it was very interesting. And my college was actually very much like that, as well as my grad school. So I appreciate that kind of learning, not to be so self-centered, but I do appreciate it. Um, they also have two teachers per classroom, bringing down that teacher to student ratio, which I love. Um, they have an extended school day and extended reading minutes, which I love also. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about um, part of the educational gap being the reading uh, competency of of young people um, and having an extended school day, something that they do in a lot of other countries and other places here in the United States. I think that's a great addition to your model, as well as the uniform policy. Um, By Mm -hmm. the way, I did go to school with uniform for a lot of when I was little, so I love that. Um, By the way, guys, I've visited Emily's school. This is not just stuff I'm reading off of her website. Um, I went to the school and it's a great school, a great building and in a great area. So, I mean, I don't know, is there a reason why you chose, for example, the two teachers per classroom or the extended school day? Um, maybe you could focus on those two things.
1: Yeah, totally. So I think the two teachers per classroom is, um, especially in elementary, um, building literacy skills takes, there are so many things um, that, that children learn many ways independently, but literacy is not one of them. You need an adult with you, listening to you, responding to you, and giving you constant feedback to really build your reading skills, both phonics and comprehension. Um, And so we do the two-teacher model per classroom to really allow students the kind of individual give and take that is required to really sharpen and hone those language skills. Um, So that's what it came from. In math, it's not as necessary for us to have the two-teacher model. There's a lot more independence that can happen there. But you need an adult with two. We're listening and responding um, in literacy instruction. It's also a talent development kind of uh, pipeline that we're building. So the two teachers that we have per classroom, we have a lead teacher and then an associate teacher. Our associate teachers are new to the field of education um, and are getting trained and getting their master's for, through Relay Graduate School for Education. Um, so it's actually our talent pipeline. So uh, moving into next year, the majority of our associate teachers are actually like have built themselves, have learned what it is to be an ESOC member and are moving into lead teacher positions. Um, and so it really built a tight pipeline for us for good talent while um, reviving that individualized instruction and teachers are getting great training i don't know if you know about relay graduate school of education but it's um the sharpest teacher training program there is around um okay. so they're getting, they really they get a ton um a benefit in this year as an associate teacher
0: that's amazing i love that first of all so that's that's amazing so one of the things i love about nonprofits and um you know especially nonprofits that are ex- that are especially change oriented like, your, like yourself um i mean i wouldn't you know I categorize a charter school as a kind of a non profit organization. Yes. So, um, you know, is the regenerative aspect, you know, being able to bring in more talent and keep talent. That's one thing I loved about City Year, for example, is that they always had this pipeline of talent that was coming through the organization and they could build. I love what you're doing with the two-teacher model. That's great. So, yes. awesome. um, yeah. So, I mean, and where did, where did the inspiration for that come from? Because I've honestly not heard too many schools with a two-teacher Model. I'm not sure. You can enlighten me if, if I'm wrong on that.
1: Yeah, no. So it's. Um, I think it's something that's pretty specific to type of foreign charter schools. Uh, as a part of my training for Ethos, um, I did a fellowship with Building Excellent Schools, which is a charter school incubator out of Boston uh, um, that has over 20 years of experience of kind of um, training and supporting the founder of independent charter schools. So um, people who go out to start their own schools and sometimes their own networks. Um, some Democracy Prep is a Building Excellent School, school network, um, Excel in Boston. There are a number of really high performing schools that started from Building Excellent Schools. Um, okay. And during that time, your training half of your training is spent um, in your region, like doing community engagement work, um, writing your petition, doing all of that. But the other half of the time that you spend in that training is you go and visit um, 60 of the top performing charter schools across the country. And wow. through that, you're getting exposure to the very best practices um, and that's where I learned about the two-teacher model, saw the two-teacher model, especially in elementary school, being just super high impact, looking at the, the academic outcomes for children who had two teachers in their classroom were much higher. Um, also, just like from a talent, ma- like my job is a talent manager and talent yeah. uh, and keeping like great people in our building, coaching, developing, and supporting them. Um, and so the two-teacher model also really helps with sustainability and people being able to learn, grow, and sustain themselves in a school. Um, yeah. so seeing that, so it was, it was, through a number of different schools. I think one school in particular that, um, I learned a lot from and did my residency at was Nashville classical and they have a similar model that we, that we replicated. Okay. That's great. Okay. Yep. Um, so
0: you've had so much experience in the ed space. It's, uh, it's amazing actually. So, you know, from being a part of a leadership team to building excellent schools, um, you know, you, you've pretty much been trained to start a school, uh, in, in a yep. lot of ways, so many ways. So w- was it, you know, let's say before building excellent schools, because I think maybe you made the decision before that. What what really pushed you to want to start your own school um, instead of maybe join the team or of someone else or join a school that existed?
1: Yeah, that's a great great question. Yeah, my my career is pretty linear. Uh, when you look at it, I started as a teacher with Teacher America as a high school teacher, um, and was in secondary until starting Ethos, um, and saw so for. So many scholars, especially when I was at KIPP, it was, I think was, and still is one of the highest performing KIPP schools in the entire country, super high performing. But for so many um, of our students, it was a huge question for them what their, al- what their opportunities were going to be when they graduated from high school, not because of like ability, not because of will, not because of effort, but because of a pretty fractured elementary experience um, that had made it really hard to catch up just from not having that really solid foundation that's necessary. Yeah. That's where I got that's why I got super passionate about elementary education and just seeing like if yeah, even in the high the high performing of high schools that are doing the most for so many, it's just a huge <laughs> injustice that for so many children, um, their their academic uh their life opportunities are impacted because of their elementary experience. So I got passionate about that. And then why not joining a network? I think one like I, I think our my vision and the vision for ethos that we have is one that's a little bit um unique. It is more whole child centered. It is more liberal arts. We do have uh, we really think about like supporting the social emotional development and learning of children every day. We have recess. We have great lunches. We like really think about um, the whole child in a way that I had not seen at other networks that I would be jumping into. Um, So having a little bit of a different vision than any other space. Um, Also I'm just kind of like a a little bit of a bulldog. And so going into a network like I have ideas and vision I would much rather drive that myself than have someone uh, kind of a a network is a hard place. Like you take someone else's vision and execute it. I'm much more like a a visionary. Um, So that's, I think, part of where it started.
0: Uh, I I appreciate that very much. And I'm I'm actually also the kind of person that uh, would rather work for myself than work for someone else, uh, especially in that kind of a situation, because so much of the outcome is tied to you know, what you believe in and what you would like to see happen. Yep. So I can understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, I'm also, I love, you know, the fact that you started a school and have that experience. Um, I'm a big believer in school leadership being critical to the success of a school. And I would love for you to talk about how your school leadership is organized. And I noticed you have a student and family services person. So maybe you could address um, what that person does. I have a, I have a decent idea, but I'm Pretty, pretty sure you can enlighten me much better than what I kind of surmised from your website. So, please.
1: For sure. I would say I couldn't agree with you more. Like, like the leadership of a school is, like, truly everything in the success of a school. A school rises and falls on its leaders. Um, And so, our leadership team structure is me as the head of school, which is, like, honestly, it's more of an executive director role. I do the management of team and culture, talent, hiring, external relationships, um, fundraising, those pieces, and manage the leadership team. Um, Yeah. We then have a Director of Curriculum Instruction, Mr. Uh, Knight Justice, Shamar Knight Justice. He's amazing. I actually met him and started working with him. I was his coach. I was his coach as his, in his first years of teaching through Teach for America oh, back in true. Charlotte. Yeah, so we've known each other forever. He's amazing. Um, he does all things teaching and learning, um, so coaching our teachers, assessments, instruction, all of that. Um, it's like what you probably think of as a traditional principal-type role. Um, we have our director of operations, Ms. Mack. Um, operations are the unsung heroes of a school. Like, strong operations in a school has such a huge impact on the culture for families, for scholars, for teachers. Um, and so that that team does everything that they can to make sure that teachers are maximizing every minute on teaching and learning, not thinking about, oh, how do I make sure I have the supplies I need in my classroom? Or, oh, how do I get this thing that I need? Our operations team really helps them focus in on what they do best and take care of it. And then have our director of scholar and family supports miss gambrell um her job is a huge one so she has a special education background um her department is growing by by considerably next year um but she manages both special education response to intervention and all school culture initiatives so you were there for our living black wax museum that's all miss gambrell's vision um, and execution so she really builds in thinking through the social emotional learning and support of our children the culture of our school on how to really build and and enforce that she and i together manage um, all discipline issues um as they come up with manage those together um and then um she does also family support for families who are experiencing homelessness or um just our general like family engagement so we have a a thing called the joy squad she manages that as well it's a pretty tremendously huge job she does an amazing job with it
0: yeah so that's that's what I suspected you were going to say about student family services toward the end um, is more of what I was focused on is the interaction with the actual families and, yep. um, you know, the keeping families involved in the school and, and, and having a community built around your school. I love that because I like, I saw that your mascot is the Blue Jay. Is that right? Yeah, blue the Blue bird? Jay, yeah. Blue Jay. So uh, Blue Jay and uh, Blue Jay named Joy. And I love that you talk about Joy. And I, I love that. So, I mean, visiting your school for the Black, uh wax figures was so fun um those kids look like they were having a lot of fun uh they they were really committed to you know doing like being prideful about their roles and like that kind of thing i just loved it so i'm glad you had me there and i also want to point out um every single one of those persons i i you know i'm not always this person but every single one of those people you just named that's part of your leadership team is actually black and um yeah you know I love that you have so many black teachers and administrators at your school, and uh, you know, not not many students across this country have a black teacher before college in most cases, if if at all. Um, you know, and I had I had like several black teachers in high school, but I really don't remember any from before high school. So I love that at this young age you have black teachers. I mean, was that like a special focus you had uh, in building the school? Is is that something that you really wanted to have happen?
1: Oh, absolutely! Absolutely, I think that I would be. I think the mission of our school of providing an excellent education cannot happen, Uh, an extraordinary education cannot happen if I do not have teachers and staff members and leadership that students see themselves in. Um, And so it is like truly, I think my moral imperative to make sure that I am building as diverse of a talent pipeline as possible. Um, And that's not to say that we only hire teachers or leaders of color, but I do work very aggressively to make sure that I am building a deep and wide pipeline to make sure that, by and large, the vast majority of our of our staff um, shares the same identity and background of our students. I mean, I'm a white woman and and recognize that very much in this work. And so thinking about how I can surround myself with voices and people and um, insight into the work to make sure that we are doing right by our kids in a way that I think just recognizing the limitations of my own perspective and experience are real. Um, And so making sure that my leadership team that's surrounding me um, is really breathing truth and life and experience into me and my decision-making Um, and my teachers in the same way.
0: Yeah. So I love that. And the reason why I thought it was so important to highlight is because, okay, so when I was um, actually in the nonprofit space in Boston, I noticed the lack of diversity in a lot of of organizations. uh, And a lot of them were serving um, clients um, in communities of color uh, and didn't have a lot of uh, people of color working in their organization. So, you know, when I got to monitor, I was working in consulting. um, I had to give a talk about um, things that I thought we could improve in the nonprofit space. And I got a lot of trouble with my boss for saying that one of the things that they could improve upon was the diversity in the sector. Mm-hmm. Um, just I thought, you know, if you're going to be serving a kind of person, um, you might want to have some people on your staff that are like that person. Like, that's why you know, I believe in diver- excellence through diversity. So I love that your school is pursuing oh. excellence through diversity. So um, that's actually all my questions. I had one more thing. Um, I just wanted to, you worked in North Carolina schools. um, Yep. So I'm not sure if you're, if you would love to uh, share this or not, but your experience with, um, you know, one thing that people are curious about out there is the busing program they had in North Carolina. We briefly talked about um, this um, uh, privately, but haven't had a chance to actually talk about it. So I was wondering if I could get you to just comment on what you saw in Carolina when you were there, um, you know, because they, what? The reason why I'm bringing this up is um, what I read in studies is that in North Carolina, the busing program, which integrated the schools, raised test scores for all schools rather than certain schools being better than others. They all kind of rose at the same time, and there was like this general appreciation of increased test scores. So, is that true, or is that a
1: myth, or do you know? What yeah, Borough? No. I would say that that is generally true. Um, I, so, I was not there during um, the busing period. I was there. Um, a few years after it, it ended and dissolved um, okay. but from what I know and have heard is like definitely test scores across schools were raised um, I think that if you dig deep into that data right are there still some big disparities in data within the schools by yeah. um, race and ability level for sure but I do think that overall the impact was a positive one um, at least that's what history tells us um, yeah. when I was when I was there um, when I was in Charlotte, uh, the Besson program it ended. Um, schools were incredibly segregated. Um, you know, I think I probably, at the school I was teaching at, there was probably one white student out of 600 that I taught. Um, okay. So they had resegregated themselves pretty quickly and immediately. Um, and in those schools, I think uh, what I always say is like, <laughs> excellence in education is just ex- Honestly, expectations for what students are capable of, um, okay. and so when those schools segregated, the expectations for what students in those schools were capable of went right back down. Which is the most like um, disrespectful and insulting thing that I think you can do to a child or to a school is to expect less of yeah. what they're capable of. Um, and so definitely saw like a, a huge dip um, in that. When I was in the school I was working, was actually on the state takeover list uh, when I started there. Um, this speaks, I think, very much to to the importance of a school leader. Um, it was on the state takeover list because it was so underperforming every day. The news bus was like, the news was just waiting outside the school building for something to happen because it inevitably something happened. Um, and we got a new school leader, uh, Dr. Fenoy, who's actually an area, super, an area superintendent um, in Atlanta uh, after. Okay. And he was truly the most phenomenal leader I have ever worked under, Came in with a really clear, concise vision, um, invested in the talent in the school, um, and then like really just worked to like keep great people there, get people who are not on board with this vision out, um, and the school in trans- Within three years, went from state takeover list to one of the top five performing high schools in the city. Um, so I would wow. say more than anything, it was like a may. It truly is one of the biggest gifts to have to been part of that as a teacher and see like wow, leaders do that like. <laughs> this set the pace, the tone, and the yeah. outcomes for a school. Um, so that was kind of my experience. It was different uh, because it remained a pretty segregated school until it started getting academic outcomes um, and results and then became a more diverse space. I would, I would say generally for ethos, like we are in an interesting space in East Point um, that is an evolving community, um, I think racially, economically, um, and so we actually, we do value economic and, and racial diversity at the school, um, wanting always to serve most of the students who don't have access to great out, you know, to great educational outcomes first and foremost, but then do value that like, it is important for, for children to learn to interact with people who are different than them, for families to be around people who are different than them. It is a better world when we, when we and engage uh, in that. So we do very much um, welcome that kind of, um, yeah, community.
0: Oh, uh, I appreciate you answering that question. I know I sprung that on you, but you're an expert on this subject and I've actually never had the opportunity to talk to anyone that worked in education in North Carolina to get any clarification on that data. So I'm glad that you shared that with us because I I bet you a lot of people that watch this will be very much enlightened by what you just said. Uh, Surprised and happy to find out, first of all, that the diversification worked, Um, upset that they undid the diversification and then also happy to hear about your leadership experience, um, watching a leader and then becoming a leader. So Emily, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you, Larry. It's so good to talk with you.
0: Oh, anytime. I will you know, thank you for your time, obviously. So, um, you guys, this is The Accuracy. Larry Harris Jr., a.k.a. Black Bobby. Check me out all over social media,
1: also on all the podcast networks. And I will talk to you guys soon. Peace.